Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schaap. Our first guest is an old friend of mine. His name is Jim Nagy. He's the executive director of the Senior Bowl. You see him on ESPN talking about draft prospects, talking about the Combine, talking about his event, the Senior Bowl as well. It is a pleasure to welcome to the sporting life the great Jim Nagy. Jim, thank you for being with us. Yeah, Jeremy, thank you uh, for having me on. This will be fun. So this is your second year as a commentator for ESPN on all things NFL draft, but you've been in the business well, you're not quite as old as I am, but we go back to, I think, 1996 when you were working for the Packers as a public relations intern. You've had a remarkable career path. I would venture to say a unique career path uh, in the field. Would you tell our listeners a little bit about your progression? Yeah, it's it's definitely unique. Um, back in the mid-90s, you know, I grew up as a kid always wanting to scout in the NFL. Um, and back in the 90s, there wasn't really a, a foot-in-the-door path uh, in scouting. They didn't really have scouting internships or scouting assistant positions back then. Now most teams have, you know, two, three, or four of those, um, so it's easier. So really the, the only way, you know, into the NFL uh, entry-level position was through, was through a PR internship. So I did that that year in Green Bay in 96. Good year to be in Green Bay. Yeah, it was a good, good year to be in Green Bay with Brett and Reggie and those guys, and a uh, very fortunate year, and uh, you know, also had the good fortune to meet your your father, uh, Mr. Dick Shap, and uh, it was just a great year. And then, you know, I was I was really lucky. There was five future GMs on that on that Packers um, scouting staff. And uh, is that right? There were five. Yeah, it was it was Ted Thompson, John Dorsey, John Schneider, Reggie McKenzie, and Scott McLuhan. So yeah, there was five future GMs, and I was. Uh, fortunate once again when, when John Schneider um, got his first opportunity to hire and fire his staff. Um, he made me his West Coast scout for the Redskins back in uh, 2000, I believe. So that you know, then it's one of those things you get your your foot in the door and you, you start rolling. You work hard, but uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been it's been great. 18 years scouting, and then uh, two years ago, two summers ago, summer of 18, I transitioned into this role at the Reese's Senior Bowl. And uh, it's been awesome. It's been a, a really fun two years doing this. I still get to do what I love to do, and that's evaluate players and, and uh, you know, take on a lot of other responsibilities as well, including the CSPN uh, stuff I'm doing around the draft. And uh, and it's been great. It's been, it's, been, it's been a fun ride. We're speaking with Jim Nagy. He is an ESPN commentator. He can be seen all week on ESPN, heard on ESPN radio, talking about the draft. Nobody knows more about this class of players coming out of college who will be available in the draft, not to mention the guys who aren't going to get drafted but are going to be free agents. Jim spent, as you just heard, 18 years as an NFL scout. He's been running the Reese's Senior Bowl for the last couple of years. You notice that, Jim? I said Reese's that time. I knew you would appreciate that. Very good. Uh, <laughs> well, what what was it like being a scout for two decades? I mean, we stayed in touch. We've been friends for a long time. And, you know, I, I know it was your dream job, but it's it's not an easy job. No, it's it's not. And, and, you know, you get asked a lot when you're doing it. Oh, do you people find out what you do and ask you if you love if you love doing it? And you have to love what you, you have to love it because um, it's not easy. 
again, there, there's a lot of hard professions out there and not making, not trying to make scouting sound like you're, you're curing cancer or anything else. But I mean, there's a lot of difficult jobs, but it's not glamorous. Um, you know, just cause you work in the NFL, like that's, that's, it's the furthest thing from glamorous. You're, you're on the road, you know, 175, 200 nights a year and you're staying in courtyards and fairfields and, and crisscrossing the country. And, um, a lot so of points. It's, it's a lot of Marriott points. That's a that's a that's a bonus. I'm lifetime uh, titanium elite with Marriott. But uh, <laughs> uh, but no, it's you know it's one thing when you get started in the business and you're a young guy and you're on your own. But you know when you get older and you have you have a wife and kids and then it gets really hard. That's that's when there's a lot of pressure to the job. Um, but it's you know it, it's it's a great occupation. You know, you stay involved in the sport that you love and, and you have input on the draft process, which again was, was my goal growing up just to help build a team. That was always what really captured me was the team building aspect more so than the coaching. People ask, why didn't I get into coaching? And just the building, building uh, the team really, really is what, what got me. So no, it was, uh, it's not easy, but it was a lot of fun. And this, the senior bowl job again was the reason I jumped at it was, I, it was an opportunity to continue to do what I what I really enjoyed, uh, but not be on the road as much. Be more, you know, be present more for my family. And uh, again, 18 years in the league, I never got to make a pick, and now I get to make like 120 picks a year. So <laughs> that that part's been fun. It's interesting though. The league's changed so much, and there's so many younger coaches, coaches with different backgrounds um, from what it was like when you were um, getting out of school in the mid 1990s. If, if you were that guy today, instead of in say 1996, do you think? coaching would be an avenue you would consider uh yeah it maybe maybe i i don't think so but it, it, it's changed a lot jeremy i mean this is uh you know the whole the whole football world is is skewing a lot younger these days coaching's got a lot younger i mean when i started scouting as in you know 25 26 i think was my first pro year on the road and you go into some of these, you know, college buildings and, and every single coach on the staff was 20 years older than you. The younger guys on the staff would be in their 40s and the, the older guys would be in their 70s. And now it's just because of what recruiting is nowadays and in social media and, and doing the recruiting thing on social media. I think, you know, it's just really squeezed, you know, the older generation of coaches out of it. And the same thing has happened with scouting. Same exact thing. Um, you know, the advent of the laptop really, really uh, squeezed a lot of older, older scouts out, which is unfortunate, um, you know, because I used to love going to schools every day and showing up at a school and a couple older guys from another team would be, you know, in the film room with you watching film all day. And it was just great to pick their brains and hear stories. And um, it was that was a really fun part of it. And, you know, when I got out of it two years ago, I mean, here I'm in my mid 40s and I was one of the older guys on the road. Um, so now it's really it's really in 20s and 30s uh, dominated on the scouting side. So um, that's just it's it's that way across football. We're speaking with Jim Nagy. He is the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. He spent two decades in the NFL as a scout working for the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Seahawks. How many Super Bowl rings do you have? Uh, four. Yeah. It was really, really lucky. We went to six, six Super Bowls, won four of them. And, uh, the, the two we lost, um, was the one was the David Tyree catch, um, from the Giants beating the Patriots. Greatest play in the history of football, indisputably. Yeah. And then, and then back in the same building in Arizona, uh, with the Seahawks, um, I lost the one on the Malcolm Butler play against against the Patriots when I was in Seattle. So Tough losses. Those were uh, those were the two I lost. So my my wife jokes if I ever got back in the NFL and 
the team I was working for was lucky enough to go back to another Super Bowl, and it was in Arizona. We we just stay home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jim, on during the draft, it's not one day; uh, it's several days, of course. But during the draft, as a scout, when those calls are being made. Uh, by the general manager, by the team president, whoever has the title and the authority at that moment. And, and they're, um, making a decision about a player you scouted. What's going through your mind as a scout in that moment? You know, Jeremy, that's, that's an interesting question because it, it really varies on what team you're with. Um, so every team does it a little differently. Um, some teams have really small draft rooms where, There'll be, you know, just a couple key decision makers. My time in New England, you know, very small room. It was it was Scott Pioli, our GM, uh, Coach Belichick, Ernie Adams, who's who was uh, Coach Belichick's kind of right hand man, and uh, our college director. So it was really like four guys, and then Mr. Kraft, and then you go to the the flip side, the other end of the spectrum in Seattle. It was the entire scouting department. Um, when we got close to making our pick, all the coaches came in, and it was very collaborative, even right up to the time you're on the clock. Um, you know, John Schneider, the GM there, did a great job of making everyone feel a part of it. And, uh, you know, he would come to you as, you know, we're getting ready to make the pick and, and ask for your final sign-off on the player and things like things of that nature. So um, it, it definitely varies from team to team. But when you're with a team that, that makes you a part of it, um, it's a great way to end the process because you do, as we, as we spoke about, you put so much in through the fall and, and through the, the winter and the spring to finally get the draft day. Um, it feels good to be a part of it. You know, one of the big questions, and you're down in Alabama, um, is how you assess Tua Tunga Vailoa right now, who had a remarkable career but has suffered an injury. Um, and uh, there's so many question marks, or there could be. How, how do you how do you look at him right now as a draft prospect? Well, Jeremy, you're right. He had a remarkable career living down here. Uh, when he started his career, I was still in the NFL, and, and I've, I've seen Tua play a ton of football over the years and really had a great career. Um, but this hip injury and kind of the volume of injuries um, is, the, is the difficult thing to reconcile right now, and that's what, that's what teams are trying to go through. Um, so, you know, a lot of it right now is on everyone's medical staffs. And, and this is this is the part of the process where the medical people and the football people butt heads a lot during the pre-draft process because you, you love a lot of players and then the medical people come in and, and do their evaluations and, you know, fail them on their – fail a good player on his physical. Um, so you have a lot of uh, heated debate in the buildings between those two staffs. But that's all it is. You're just trying to figure out, figure out what the injury is and what the, you know, likelihood of reoccurrence with this hip because um, that's, uh, that's a pretty serious injury. It, you know, if it's just football, I think the guy's going to be a really good starter. I think most people would say that. Um, but, you know, the injury thing is real. Um, it's, it's a roll of the dice. And what I've tried to do is bring it back to the, to the year uh, 1996 when I met you and your father uh, in Green Bay and bring it back to Brett Favre. He was a guy when Ron Wolf, you know, Brett was a third stringer in Atlanta that rookie year after they drafted him and didn't look like his career was going anywhere in Atlanta and Ron Wolf wants to trade for him. Well, the medical people in Green Bay tried to block the trade, and uh, Ron had veto power and uh, made the trade go through, and, you know, because the medical people had failed Brett on his physical uh, the year he came out of Southern Miss. So, um, and obviously we see how that turned out. He was, you know, the, the game's all-time Iron Man. So it really is a, it really is a, a roll of the dice for, for a team, and, and I can see it going both ways. You know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. That's kind of the main subplot of this draft, I would say. And I saw you tweeting the other day um, 
uh, I think it was after some of the stuff uh, that had happened in Houston uh, with Bill O'Brien. But imagine what the reaction would have been when Ron Wolf traded a first round pick for Brett Favre back in what was it, 1991. I, I think uh, that was the question you were asking. Yeah, I just love the reactionary, <laughs> the reactionary uh, tone of, of social media right now. And, and right now, Bill O'Brien, uh, he's kind of the, the punching bag. Every, every, it seems like everyone wants to be the first one in on, on, on bashing Bill O'Brien as soon as he makes a move. But, uh, you know, I guess it's uh, the Ron Wolf example and the Brett Favre example is, uh, you know, just shows us maybe we should wait and let these things play themselves out. I know, I know when you, you trade uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who's one of the best players in the league, and, and about some of the other moves they've made. Um, it's a lot of it's shocking to some people, but sometimes sometimes these things turn out uh, differently than we all think. Joe Burrow is going number one, uh, but he's as we know not the only quarterback available. Uh, how, how do you grade the quarterbacks? And there is so much emphasis, as always, more than ever, I should say, on the quarterback position. Yeah, Jeremy, I do think this is a good class, especially at the top. It's not very deep. Um, I don't think you're see you're going to see a lot of guys go on day three. Um, but up at the top, all four guys that are being talked about up there, Joe Burrow, LSU, Tua, uh, Justin Herbert from Oregon, and Jordan Love from Utah State, all four of those guys, you know, in the right situation can be really, really good NFL quarterbacks. And I would, I would throw Jake Fromm in there. I'm a big believer in Jake Fromm. And, and Jalen Hurts um, has made a, a really nice rise through this process. So it's really good at the top. Usually there's a couple guys in every class that, I feel like, you know, just going back to my time in scouting, I felt like we're really inflated and overdrafted. And I don't think that's the case with any of these guys. I think all of them um, have a ton of talent and can be high-level starters, you know, in the right situation. It's such a dependent position. If Joe goes to Cincinnati and they don't surround him with a lot of, a lot of good pieces, um, we've seen going back over time David Carr and, mm-hmm. and Joey Harrington and players that ended up in really bad situations, um, you know, they can get shell-shocked early and never recover. So I just hope that uh, – you know, all these guys land in a situation where they're surrounded and they have a chance to be successful. We're speaking with ESPN draft analyst Jim Nagy. This is our Sporting Life NFL Draft Special, the draft coming up Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And you mentioned Jordan Love from Utah State, and I noticed again on your Twitter feed this week, um, you, you think there might be some misdirection out there, some people claiming, or at least one person out there claiming that – I. He shouldn't even get drafted. How much subterfuge is there when we're looking at public comments from people in the league about where players might go? How much? How much of it is um, posturing? Yeah, that's the, the the funny thing. Now that I'm not out of the league, um, you know, all the misinformation and smoke screens that you know that people talk about. When I was in the NFL and, and just knowing the guys I've worked with, we didn't really pay attention to it. So I don't know who it's really affecting. <laughs> I don't know why all this stuff gets out because I, I really don't think the guys in the NFL pay, pay too much attention to what's being talked about, uh, you know, publicly in the media. But there is a lot of crazy stuff that comes out this time of year. There really is. Um, and with Jordan Love, people saying he's not going to get drafted, that's, that's crazy talk to me. I mean, the kid, you, you, I mean, he's a little polarizing because his junior tape and senior tours I'm sorry, his sophomore tape and his junior tape is so different, um, you know, especially numbers-wise. But, but uh, it's easily explainable when you look at the, the background of the, of the circumstances and, you know, losing a lot of players and, and the coaching change and, and whatnot. But there's going to be guys 
arguing both sides. He would he would probably be the, the most fun guy in this draft to be in a draft room, uh, just to hear the debates and the conversations about him. Because um, I've talked to a lot of guys I respect in the league, and and there, there's a little bit of variance, but no one sees the guy like outside of the late first round, early second round. It's just you know how how early you would want to take him because there are those concerns. But yeah, this this time of year is crazy with some of the stuff that gets out. These these two weeks leading up to the draft, you almost have to. Uh, Ignore most everything you hear, Jim. When you were when you were a scout and you were part of the decision making process for teams about who to draft, and um, maybe one day you will be again. Um, what do you listen to? Do you listen to your heart? Do you listen to your head? It's obviously got to be some combination of those factors. But what are the things that really matter for you when you're making one of those decisions that can be so consequential for the future of a team? And for the player, yeah, you know, I think there is a there is a gut instinct there, there is an intuition there when it comes to player evaluation. Um, but I just feel like it, you got to go back to the work that you put in, and that's why the fall is so important because you're out at the schools and and I've probably told you this privately before, Jeremy, that you know teams I've been with that have made mistakes on players or you know um, you know that players just not pan out. It, it's it's a lot more to do with the person than the player. Um, the easier part is, is watching the tape and figuring that out. The harder part is, is really figuring out the person because you don't really have a lot of time with these players. It, even you talk about the pre-draft process, January, February, March, April, and the lead-up, all-star games, combine. It really, you know, per player, you don't get that much time to, to, to figure out million, a million-dollar investment. Um, you know, with these quarterbacks, $25, $30 million investment. So um, you really got to rely on those people that have spent time with these, these kids, you know, throughout their lives, going back to high school or youth sports and into college. Um, those are the people that know them, and that's why the relationships are so important um, from a scouting perspective. Uh, that's why you have to go into these schools and, 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 and really develop those relationships because you have to get the real scoop. You have to, you have to get uh, – you have to get good information because that's what you really have to rely on is the people that know them best because you just don't get a chance to, to know them like you should before you make such a, such a consequential, consequential decision on these guys. Um, so you do, you got to go, you got to go with your gut. You got to go with the information and you just got to keep asking questions through the process. You never, you can never feel like you really know the player. I mean, we, I think the, the teams I worked for that did it best were, you know, we worked that thing all the way up um, to draft day. You know, we were always making calls and following up and, trying to reach out to as many people as we could. How thorough is that vetting process? How far does it go? Is it like an FBI background check? I mean, is there, um, you know, are there investigators or is it really scouts and coaches who are just calling people who know the player in question or, or is it um, more professionalized than that? Um, no, it's, you know, Jeremy, it can. It can get to that level for sure. Um, but with most players, it just starts, you know, from a from a personnel department level and the scouts that go through the school. Um, but then if you start to uncover some red flags, definitely you can get, uh, you know, every team has a security person on staff, and a lot of them have FBI backgrounds, um, CIA backgrounds, and they have their contacts. So, yeah, it, it can get to that level as well. There, there's always um, more than a handful of players in every draft where you're enlisting, you know, outside sources even sometimes uh, to help you out through the process. And local authorities, you'll reach out to local authorities in the different college towns. So, um, 
you know, because sometimes stuff gets buried. Um, these schools don't want everything getting out, and sometimes you'll have to go to that measure. But, yeah, I mean, just, you know, any, any measure you can take to, to figure these guys out, you're going to do it because the worst thing that can happen, and we could cite a lot of different examples, but, you know, players that have been drafted and then things come out subsequently right after the draft, you know, that makes the team look like they didn't do enough homework. To me, that's the, the most embarrassing thing is when, when character guys, you know, get taken. And, and I think Christian Peter was a, probably the most uh, high-profile example with the Patriots back in the day after he got drafted. Um, and you just you don't want that to happen. Yeah, and then they – I mean, that stuff was out there, right? But after uh, Myra Kraft, uh, um, you know, found out about it after he'd already been drafted by the Patriots, they released him. Uh, and that was apparently a decision that was uh, very much driven by her, as I recall. Do, do I have that right? Yeah, I, I believe you're right. That was well before my time there. But I will say during my time with the Patriots, that was that was kind of the deal breaker. Anything um, anything domestic related. Yeah, it was violence against women. That guy was off the board if there was anything domestic. And that, that stems from, from Mrs. Kraft. Well, Jim, it's always a pleasure. Uh, before we let you go... Uh, we're going to have Mike Tannenbaum on later as well, and I'm going to ask him the same question. Is there is there one guy in the draft that you have your eye on uh, that maybe other people aren't looking at the same way uh, who you're eager to see perform in the league? Uh, you know, there, there's a couple from the Senior Bowl that, you know, there's some guys that come down here that just, just really pop out, and a guy to me that, you know, I, I think he's probably going to go in the second round, somewhere in that range. Uh, you know, Mel didn't have him in his second round. I got after Mel the other day about that. But uh, <laughs> is, is, is Michigan linebacker Josh Uche. And Josh is a guy that I felt like was the second-best defensive player down here in Mobile at the Senior Bowl behind South Carolina's Javon Kinlaw. You know, Javon's going to be, a, you know, probably going to be a top 12, 13 pick. And, uh, you know, Josh got buried a little bit at Michigan. He was behind some good players. You know, last year they had Rashawn Gary go in the first round of the Packers and Chase Winovich to the Patriots in the third. So he kind of played in a rotation with those guys. And uh, But if you just look at his production per snap, he had 15 and a half sacks over the last two years, and his playtime percentage compared to those two guys was significantly less. So whenever they asked him to do anything and, and be productive getting after the quarterback, he could do it. And then he came down here to Mobile and showed what he can do in coverage. So he there's not many linebackers that can cover and affect the quarterback, and, and Josh can really do that. So, uh, you know, just looking at, looking at guys outside the first round that not everyone's talking about right now, I would probably say Josh Uche from Michigan. Jim Nagy, one of the smartest guys in football, working this week as he did last year for ESPN as a draft analyst. He is the senior, he's the executive director of the Senior Bowl, the Reese's Senior Bowl, as he reminds me, and spent two decades in the NFL as a scout. Jim, it is always a pleasure. Thanks so much for having joined us. Yeah, Jeremy. Thanks for having me on. I'm Jeremy Schapp, and you can listen to new editions of The Sporting Life every Saturday and Sunday morning on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time.